0: You're listening to the Grind Hours podcast. At the wall, see ya, see ya. Joining me as he does every Monday, even on a Juneteenth celebratory Monday, Freedom Day here in the U.S., we're recording this at eight nineteen, a little bit earlier uh, this morning, and uh, it's the Lynch and Leo show. My old radio partner, Chris Lynch. Has joined me yet again, and Chris, you like like uh, a lot of people were envious of you. You spent s- Sunday at the u s Open. so I don't want to step on on you any further. Tell me your experience at the u s Open on a championship Sunday. Well, it's
1: interesting,
0: actually. like
1: I've been I got the opportunity to um, be a writer at a couple of golf tournaments. Um, so this was. A, it was weird being a it's always weird for me just being a spectator at a sporting event instead of working a sporting event um, it's just it's so much more relaxed and so much more I'm not constantly thinking about what the what the words I'm gonna put on the sheet of paper but right before a deadline are uh, it's Another or feeling. Or, uh, or what I'm going to say into it into a microphone because I'm just uh, there as a spectator but a golf tournament is really interesting because to be a little frank you see miles more golf on television than you do in person it's a really cool spectacle to watch there were a couple times when there was a golf ball that flew uh when we were on the we found a spot on the 18th fairway for the lat for the late stages of the tournament uh there was one point in the uh Later groups, not the last group, but some of the later groups where there was a ball that flew kind of over our heads and we were standing right near and right over top. Like one of the, uh, it was Adam Hadwin who uh, flew it into us and uh, watched him hit from there and hit a shot that we're just like, yo, what? These people are crazy. But I saw the most golf we set up in the stands on the 11th hole in which we uh, got to see what I think was the turn for Scotty Scheffler, who for that point was, was coming off of, I think Scheffler was coming off of bogey um, on, uh, yeah, he had bogeyed 10. And so he was trying to keep himself on pace for a good round. And then he has himself a decent drive and he's a little bit long on the birdie, birdie putt attempt. And then he bangs out the par putt and he misses it. He bangs it off the left side Mm -hmm. of the cup and he has to take a bogey right there. And that was the second consecutive hole where he gave away two strokes. And if he doesn't give away those two strokes on 10 and 11, he's at minus six. And we have a playoff between Fitzpatrick and Scheffler for the last round. So I got a front row seat for that. And I got a uh, I watched Will Zalatoris and Matt Fitzpatrick play that hole pretty well. Um, And on 18, I watched Fitzpatrick hit out of the out of the bunker for what was, I believe, the most incredible shot I've ever seen in a golf tournament, because that bunker is a really hard spot to hit out of. And he got fortunate with how it bounced. It flew in bounced off the uh that little tongue of grass that spits in and it bounced to the left of that spit of grass because that's elevated and they didn't uh they didn't mow or they didn't cut down the fescue that's right on top of it which made hitting out of those bunkers near
0: impossible i love the the description of that too because it is that that's the only word you could use for the just schmutz that's around those bunkers and yeah it, it it almost looks that ter- that course almost looks like the open in europe the european open it, it, it's a very old-timey european style golf course because yeah. just by the you know the nature of the bunkers the the rough around the bunkers it it's it's light to say it's rough Mm -hmm. it's near impossible if i was if you or me were in that we'd be swinging until next tuesday to get out of it well it's not like it
1: isn't it's very much not a lynx style golf course like what you would see in the uh styles of uh the courses that are used in the open championship but yes uh it is it's an old golf course and that actually is one of the uh slight annoyances of it is that it was never built to handle as many people as it did, and it isn't a great spectator golf course. Like I went to the PGA Championship in 2019 when it was in Beth Page Black. I think that's a better spectator course. Like, I think that there's just more places where you can find better sight lines. And uh you're fighting to find a couple of viewing spots where you can set up and enjoy the round of it. We got lucky with where we were able to see Fitzpatrick's last shot. And they were giving out these like pocket radios that we could listen to so that we could follow um, a little bit more closely the Sirius XM feed of it, which was really helpful as well. As it was an amazing tournament. It was, it was genuinely spectacular. And it's going to go down as one of the uh, top, it's going to go down as one of the all time great U S open tournaments ever. And I got to say, I was cheering for Will Zalatoris in no small part because- um, So was I. Well, I was pulling for him in no small part because my, uh, my father worked with his dad. So Really? Um, yeah. So um, I mentioned to you right before we started recording this that I have a Will Zalatoris uh, story. So um, my dad was in a uh, uh, real estate business. He's retired now, but he, was, uh, he ran a real estate investment business that had offices in Hartford, Connecticut, Dallas, and San Francisco, Mr. Zalatoris, um, not Will, but Mr. Zalatoris, dad worked out of the San Francisco office. And Will started to play when he was a kid. And he was really, really, really good, really, really fast. And um, my dad went out and played around with Mr. and Will at a golf club in San Francisco and loved it. I mean, loved it. And my dad, when uh, he was a little bit better at that time, he got an 83. And Will Zalatoris got an 84. And wow. that was his first ever. That was Will's first ever time playing from the men's tees at 10 years old. And after the round was all done, my dad went to uh, went to Will and said, Will, it's a pleasure meeting you. And he was a very polite young man. And he was very, very respectful and very well put together at 10 years old as well. And, he, and my dad just said, Will, it's a pleasure playing with you. I am never going to notch not a better score than you for the rest of my life. And he played many more rounds with Will's Zalatoris and that has held up to be the case. <laughs> um, and actually they, um, um, they got lucky that my dad's business or the business that my dad ran, he didn't own it of course, uh, he got lucky that there was an office in Dallas because there's way more golf in Dallas than there right. was in San Francisco, yeah. like miles more. Um, so he got the opportunity to go to Dallas for job stuff. And it worked out that Will was able to go out and do miles more golf and got way, 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 way better. So uh, I was pulling for Will. And it was actually really annoying as I was uh, walking out. That there were well, for one other the only downside of going to this tournament was that the exit strategy <clears throat> was uh awful like they turned it into a bottleneck and they used the smaller exit lane and it just it took me 30 minutes once i hit a wall of people to actually leave the golf course and wow. it was just like yeah no that's the only thing about it that i hated everything else was awesome the only like the uh the one thing that i heard some people say is man will just can't hit can't hit clutch shots and i'm like are you really like? Are you really you that dumb? And actually, <clears throat> Will played the entire turn. We found out with in, it, We found out in text with uh, with his dad later. Will was playing the whole turn with a step back, the whole turn.
0: You can't do that. You can't and, win. You, you can't. If you win, you're lucky. Well, in if, those conditions,
1: I don't think you're lucky if you win. If you win, you're a miracle worker, <laughs> and. And he missed the playoff by, it was so close. Like, it was as close as you could ever get. Um, I think he was thinking about going to the Travelers Championship in Hartford, and he's taking time off because he's exhausted, and uh, correctly so. That, that dude uh, needs to take a break. But golf is in such a great spot. Shepard's a great golfer. Will's awesome. Fitzpatrick, the winner, is is really great uh rory was competitive and was fun to watch john rom had a terrible by his standards um, fourth round but i love watching that guy play there's so there isn't one clear kind of dynastic golfer at the top but there's so many guys who are so fun to watch we're so competitive i think golf's in a great position actually as far as the competitive balance and as far as the intriguing and fun personalities to enjoy I, it's in a great spot if you're um Uh, If you're looking for competitive balance and great, great experiences at a golf course.
0: That's the one thing that I will say about, you know, other than, you know, the, the competitiveness with the live tour and, you know, that battling that the one thing that golf fans forever, what we're concerned about is when Tiger and Phil aren't that good anymore. Who's going to take the mantle? Who's going to be those, next guy or guys up and we have a bunch of them we have more than you know 15 guys where you could go oh i really like this guy i want to watch him play oh this guy is really good i want to watch him play oh i forgot about this guy who's 15th on my list who can go out and win any other tournament because he's that good so golf's in a really good spot and it's not just because of you know all the the spotlight with the competing uh live tour SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, comedy fans, theater fans, fans of tickets. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get into the building to get yourself a seat. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout. For $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app one more time. Code GRINDHOUR. That's G-R-I-N-D-H-O-R.
1: seven
0: minutes. Feed Hudson Valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the Hudson Valley operating through Dutchess, Orange, Ulster, Columbia, Green, Putnam, and Sullivan counties. It links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistance programs. Through an app-assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies, Feed Hudson Valley facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self-stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch, and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chowmatch app. When a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network currently includes over 300 volunteers, 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year, on average, Feed Hudson Valley rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit FeedHV.org. Again, that's FeedHV.org. One more time spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. with all the golf talk but we're going to transition now to your Celtics and we're not I'm not gonna because I'm sure the wound is still somewhat open from over the weekend what do you think for this Celtic team is the biggest storyline or what move do they have to make going in going into the summer to continue to have this championship window open uh, one of two things. So I think you have to figure out
1: what you want to do at the point guard spot. And if you want Marcus Smart to actually be your full-timer, because if you do, then you have to commit to him, and he has to become a more efficient passer of the basketball. Or you might have to go out and get yourself a true point guard so that you can more efficiently run your offense. Because the single thing that flipped the series around is the fact that Golden State was able to, there was one simple piece of the style of play that uh, that the Celtics could never quite figure out is that Tatum and Brown are great drivers of the basketball going right. They're nowhere near as good going left I cannot believe that people did not pick up on um, and that I didn't pick up on or didn't fully understand or realize this all the Warriors really had to do as far as their scheme and their design was overplay going right force Tatum and Brown to go left and force them into really bad decisions because they're nowhere near as good with their offhand Mm -hmm. so if I'm, if I'm the Celtics coaches, every single day, I am putting Brown and Tatum, left-handed drive, left-handed drive, left-handed drive, every single day. That's their, that's their focus. And by the way, everybody's saying that Tatum was like, Tatum had a bad final series. He's 24 years old. This was his first time here. He's going to get miles, miles, miles better in moments like this. And he was amazing getting them there. So I'm Are we sure worried. about that? Yes, I am not worried at all about Jason Tatum. Okay. I am not worried at all about, uh, about Jalen Brown. I am worried that Al Horford is never going to be as good again as he was <laughs> in this postseason run. And you've got to figure out what you want to do. Like maybe Al have one more year like that in him, but it was kind of a miracle that he had this year at all. Um, but you I just, think- you know what you
0: need to do with Al Horford? You need to do what the, the Patriots did the last two years of Gronk where you just put them in, it's the break in case of emergency glass, yeah. where you yeah. just put Al Horford in that glass and every once in a while you break it for a, for a good mm-hmm. Al Horford game. But other than that, you just yeah. kind of bottle them up and go, okay, Al, this is, the, this is your plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, um, so yeah. Uh, I think that I think the Celtics are going to be competitive in the East again next year. Um, and you know, I kind of handled the whole losing to golden state thing with this, with this attitude of, yeah, it's a bit disappointing, but you know, golden state is a magnificent ball club. Um, Steve Kerr will go to the hall of fame the second that he can as a, as the best coach of, of at least the, the last like 10 years, like Steve Kerr is the best coach of the last decade. I don't think it's that close. Um
0: and yeah, you're you're right.
1: And also the other determinant factor of uh, of the series was Miami could play the same, could play close to the same type of defense on the Celtics, but they didn't have the offensive firepower. Golden State could play that caliber of defense, and they had the offensive firepower to be able to uh to knock it down. And they had one guy in Andrew Wiggins who could body up either Brown or Tatum. And they chose to put him on Tatum. And that was the correct decision. This was, it was a remarkable performance. So um, I got nothing but respect for this Golden State franchise for how well they've conducted themselves and how well they've operated. So I got no beef with this Warriors team. It was kind of amazing. You remember how early on in the season, I was so down on the Celtics.
0: If that You weren't the only one. I remember... No, like, I remember getting on you, both you and Carl, for quitting on your team so early. And, I mean, Carl would come back at me and go, well, where's Kyrie? How's Joe Harris doing? And all this this sort of thing. And to see where both of our teams ended up, I wouldn't have bet that. And I guarantee you, both you and Carl would have said it. If I told you then, when... When you quit on the team, when you told me, I, I'm not watching anymore, I haven't watched in a week, and I feel like, you know, a spiritual awakening has happened because I haven't watched the mm-hmm. Celtics in a week. I haven't subjected myself to that. I If I told you then that they would go to the NBA finals, you would have had me drug tested because you would have thought I was a lunatic. The energy
1: did shift. Um, and, you know, they did – I'll give you Doka a lot of credit for – doing a great job to get the Celtics to the finals, but he's got to be able to read stuff like drive left or get the ball. It's, he's to also a rookie coach. It was, yep. his,
0: it was his first
1: finals as well. Yep.
0: Oh, I have absolutely.
1: He did a great job. He did absolutely a great job. In the Celtics are in great hands in the coaching regime. Absolutely. Um, I think the Celtics are in a really good position for the future um i'm really happy with where this franchise is right now and i'm certainly feel like we're in a better spot than where the los angeles lakers are which i am very much in favor of because i i might hate the lakers more than any other professional franchise because i have a little bit of respect for yankee fans i don't really have that same amount of respect for the los angeles lakers um don't don't get that part twisted i will
0: never cheer for the yankees uh, oh, I, I, I'm not going to get that twisted. Yeah, uh, There's just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing between it, it. It's not equivalent Yankee fans and Red Sox fans and Boston and Laker and, and Celtic fans. It's not equivalent. Yeah. Um, not- speaking of my Yankees though, uh, and we're not going to talk the Yankees. We're going to talk your Red Sox who, as of recording this five games over 500, which is a plus. Yes. But 13-and-a-half back of the division, and I believe they are in the wild – they are uh, in the wild Half-game back of the wild card. Yes, and they are a half-game back of Tampa yep. for the third wild card spot. Yeah, the American League East currently has
1: uh, two of the three wild card spots, Toronto in the, in the driver's seat in the one, two
0: games up on Cleveland, uh, Cleveland and, and Tampa. And who, Tampa. Yeah, with Boston hot on the tails, which yeah, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Because the last time that I talked to you about this team, they were turning it around. Now they've officially turned it around, and they're actually competitive. Mm-hmm. How are your feelings about your bullpen? Uh, Tanner Hap needs to be the
1: full-time closer. That's um, like just do it, guys. You need a closer. Just do that already. Um, sadly, we're never going to get Matt Barnes coming back into, uh, his form in the first half of, of 21. Um, they had to bring Hauk in when, uh, after the early part of the bullpen gotten some real trouble in the ninth inning yesterday against St. Louis. Um, it's a, uh, you know, I think that you still need to do a little bit more in order to acquire some more bullpen depth, and what's been shocking to me about this Red Sox team, their home record—they are seventeen and sixteen at home. They are nineteen and fifteen on the road.
0: Yeah, what's what? And this isn't just the the Red Sox. This happened to the Celtics too. What's in the water in Boston,
1: bro? I don't know. I why really don't the home don't know.
0: teams like Boston, <laughs>
1: um, bro? I don't know what uh, what the problem is there, but uh, but yeah. Um, you got to figure out what is off with the home teams. Uh, you need Evaldi and Sale to come back in some bit of healthy way, but I'm so happy that Pavetta has really earned a starter spot. He's fantastic yesterday. Um, I think the Sox could be competitive and could be really interesting down the stretch, but you have to make a couple more, like maybe two or three more additions to the back end of the bullpen. To have a really really good shot at it and you have to commit to Tanner Houck you wouldn't
0: get a start you wouldn't get a starter you wouldn't be in the market for like a Frankie Montes or a Luis Castillo I think you could I I'm not saying you should but you would you would shift your focus more towards the bullpen rather than some starting help
1: um, I would but um, I certainly wouldn't turn that like if you have the opportunity to acquire another good top-level starter, then you absolutely should because that does relieve pressure off your bullpen. So um, I absolutely – I'm never going to say don't acquire a good starting pitcher. You always <laughs> – if you have the opportunity, go acquire a great starting pitcher. Um, but uh, but for one, so happy with where the offense is with um, – Devers is awesome. Devers rules. Xander's been spectacular. Story has been uh, has been uh, hot and cold for a bit, but like he's been when he's on, he's on. JD JD rules. Is Please he gone?
0: Could you sell? Could you both sell and uh, buy in this year? Do you think that you know a guy like JD is off this team on August first? But you don't. You, you still get don't 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 don't, really? don't
1: don't 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 move off JD. Don't move off that caliber of hitter. Don't move off that right-handed power hitter at Fenway. If you even think about moving off of Bogarts, you deserve to lose your job.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, Troy Bogarts or, you know, Devers. I'm saying JD, who is, yes, he's probably your third or fourth best hitter, but he's got, he's an expiring contract. You could get something for him whether that's a another arm or a uh a relief in the rotation or in the bullpen for me I just I don't know I I would at least consider it you wouldn't even consider it no you lose the heart of your lineup you lose a
1: major guy in the middle of your locker room you lose a guy that the players that the other players love having around it you screw up that collection of people like The Red Sox did not win anything until J.D. like that. After the 13 run and after they blew it up, they had a couple of good years. Like, 16 and 17, they were good years. They won nothing until J.D. showed up.
0: I'm not putting J.D. I'm not putting the the 18 World Series on J.D. Martinez. Here's the thing. You you, you lose me there. You misunderstand.
1: Hold on, Joe. Joe, 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 Joe. Let me explain. J.D. Martinez was a difference maker. J.D. Martinez... Is the second best player on that team. I'm not saying he's the reason he won. I am saying that he is a major difference maker. I am saying that he is a culture setter. I am saying that he is a guy who matters to that Red Sox lineup, to that Red Sox clubhouse. I'm saying you don't move off of him okay. as it is right now. With the way this team is going, I think this team has the opportunity to do something. I don't know what that something is, the wild card. I don't think we're going to catch the Yankees unless they, unless the Yankees completely Have. fall apart, I'll the Red Sox in 78. I don't think that, yeah. I don't think we're going to catch the Yankees in the division, but we're right there in competitive in the best division in baseball right now. Three of the, yeah, three of the teams are in the wild card spot. Bro, well, all four is, teams are like, yep. it's not Except, like red- Baltimore.
0: <laughs> right. But it's not like, you and Baltimore is even though they're, you know, better than they have been in, in yeah. recent years, they're, they're actually, you know, a somewhat competitive ball club. Yeah. Boston. It's not like they're four and a half out of the wild card. They're a half. Game no, like out. They're a half game out. So, so all four, four out of the five teams are massively competitive. That's right. And I, for me, the only reason, you know, I'm not saying, you know, trade JD cause I'm a Yankee fan. I'm saying it from a, from a baseball perspective of you can Mm -hmm. get, you know, a younger guy, some reps at second base, you could, you know, DH Xander. Some days you could DH story. Some days you could play story at shortstop where he's a little bit more comfortable. Some days if you're, if you're DHing Xander. So it gives you a little bit more roster flexibility in that regard of getting, you know, a younger guy started on, on timeline. No also reps at second, that literally is
1: story spot. So uh, I like, story is that dude you just play him every game xander you just play him every game raffi you just play him every game because those guys are horses man like you give them maybe a day off a week or so but like i do not even bother thinking about uh, about about jd i think the Sox actually do have an, a good number of younger guys in the prospect system that you have to think long and hard about how um how you use those guys and how right. you use the people there and whether or not those guys would uh would make an impact um i'd like to see for example jake lankowski used as like a mid-reliever back end the bullpen type of guy coming up from um from worcester would be uh one guy i saw his major league debut and uh he was fine like he they gave him a starter's innings against um, oh, what was it against against Baltimore, and it was fine. He had one kind of rough inning, but you know, for his first major league appearance, cool. Um, I think you could definitely use him. There's um, they just acquired a reliever whose name I'm blanking on from the Phillies for cash considerations. So
0: I think Do you, you really make, trust any Phillies reliever.
1: I think I trust. I I would give people a chance to impress me because. Um, Look, do you realize how desperate I am for any help at the back end of the bullpen? No, I Or how you,
0: bad my team's bullpen is. been? You, for all to you've told, whenever we, you and I have talked about Red Sox this year, the only thing yep. you bring up, you're not worried about, you know, whether Bogarts is going to have a good year on his contract nope. year. You're do you wor- blame me for not worrying about Xander no, and how amazing he's been? You, and you're not worried about Devers going into his nope. up because of his contract year. You're not nope. worried about, you know, losing – Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr., although that, that's kind of worked out a little bit uh, for you guys this year. You're not worried about if Bobby Dahlback is going to have a, a decent season. You're not worried about any of the position players. The no, only thing do you were worried me, about. Do you huh?
1: blame me for not worrying about any of the position no, players? No, because your bullpen stinks. Yes, it's so bad, dude. Like, Hauk has to be your closer. Like, they wanted, they wanted Tanner Houck to become... Either a um, either a uh, starter like a what what would have been a he's John Chamberlain or starter. He, well, what they wanted him to be was either their third or fourth starter, or be like what Andrew Miller was to Cleveland when they went to the World Series the in sixteen. Yes. The relief ace who would come in in the biggest high leverage situation, yes. which I still think you maybe could do that, but at this point, every team that wants to win a thing in major league baseball needs a closer. And as it is right now, the Boston Red Sox don't have a closer and they need one. So give that role to Tanner Houck and let him become a rock star in that role, because I think he's got the real potential to do that. Once you get the closers role sorted out, there's a lot, everything else in the bullpen becomes much clearer with what everyone else's responsibility is.
0: You know what this reminds me of? What's with up oh three, where you didn't yeah. you had a closer by a committee, you, you didn't really have a good bullpen, and you did nothing to figure it out. So maybe yeah. Heim Bloom can uh can learn from past mistakes, from past GMs, and mm-hmm. actually do something with the bullpen because if you uh, time and time again, the closer by committee doesn't work. That's the, yep. That is the only thing from the old, one of the only things from the old school way of thinking about baseball that I actually think is, you know, there's some truth to it, that it's actually yes. a true statement, that it's not just, you know, baseball-y talk for, because I'm used to it. No, 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 no. Defined roles in any walk of life, whether it's baseball, engineering, or working at Walmart, if you will go into work every day, you want to know, hey. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is, this is what I'm here for. So, and baseball, you know, players are creatures of habit 10 times over than, okay. than a regular human being. So, I agree with you. Um, I hope for your sake that they actually do it because, you know, I want competitive Yankees-Red Sox games down the stretch, even if we are 12 and a half games up in the, in the division. Currently. Yes, Currently. Um, you know, the Yankees are going to hit a a dry spell, but, you know, we, we've, we're 32 games over 500 and 12 and a half, 11 games up on the the next nearest team. So we have some built in cushion, but you know, this team is awesome. And I want for every bone in my body wants a competitive Yankees, Red Sox series. No, you don't. You want to kill us. Yes, I want to kill you, but I at least want you guys to be good while we slaughter you guys. That's what I want. I want you guys to at least be competitive so the games are a little bit fun. Just like Toronto. Toronto's good. We killed them in two two out of the three games. We almost came back uh, yesterday. So Mm -hmm. if the teams in the division are good and it's actually entertaining baseball games, that's what I want. I still want to win. Don't get that twisted. But I want to... I want, you know, the competition to be good so, you know, the Yankee mm-hmm. haters can, can, you know, when they spit out, well, who have you played? We can say, well, we've played the best division in baseball. Look at yes. this division.
1: Yeah, to this point, it I'm not really sure what possible argument you could have that the American League East isn't the best division in baseball right now. Like, the Yankees are the best team in the sport right now, and that's not up for argument. The Mets are probably the second best team, which it's amazing to me that for all the clowning that I did on the New York sports situation that the baseball is actually really, 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 really good right now. But like there isn't a, the top two teams in the NL West are quite good in the Dodgers and Padres. But that's about the, it. The NL Central is like the Mets, the, 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 the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals are like fine, but like nothing amazing. Uh, The Mets are great, but after that, the rest of it is kind of like,
0: okay. Braves are all right, but you know, there's not one through four. There's not a a division Mm -hmm. that holds a candle to it. Not one. The
1: the AL Central is like Detroit's still a year away. Cleveland has been surprisingly good, but nothing amazing. Minnesota has been like, okay. And Houston has been Houston. Um, And there's no one else in the American League West, even with all of the talents and all that the los angeles angels of anaheim they should still just be the anaheim angels because orange county despises being associated with los angeles orange county is not los angeles county people stop mixing the two of them up they're not the same thing anyway but uh, I, I,
0: I just love saying the los angeles angels of anaheim I, it's it it there's something about it that's just like you know the san diego superchargers it's something that's just right it's so stupid. It's stupid, uh, <laughs> but it's right. It just seems yeah. right.
1: Yeah, it's it's so dumb. But yeah, we like for all the talent that they have, well, partly Rendon going down for the entire year. Yeah, I feel bad rough. for them. But like, there's no one else in the AL West. There isn't a division that even compares to the AL East right now, and
0: it's not. That's not a question. Oh, trust me, I'm sure Tampa Bay or Boston would love to play. In the AL Central right now, yes,
1: yes, bater oh and batter, yes.
0: the, those bad teams.
1: Oh my God, yes! Like, it, and it's almost as if the Yankees finally
0: figured out with all, all 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 the
1: money that they threw around at people, they actually had to develop a farm system, and they had to develop a prospect system, and now they're actually seeing the fruits and the benefits because they spent in the decade of the tens, they spent over like close to two billion dollars yeah, on was, player salary and they didn't rough.
0: appear in a world series it was rough don't don't yeah. remind me of the dark days of it's like the 80s don't don't do that they, you're they, still not out of you're still not out of it yet you still haven't gotten to a world oh series. I know I know I know the drought I'm well aware I, I know my team but uh I think that's keep it place. going <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to end uh Chris tell the people what you got going on where they can find you all that good stuff um I right after I'm done Uh, talking with you. I am going to record
1: a new episode of my podcast, the Cape League Roundup, which does a daily look at the action and the things that go on around the Cape Cod Baseball League, which is the best collegiate summer baseball league, and I would argue the best amateur sports league in not just the country, but the world. It has the best, most competitive uh, Division I baseball athletes playing against each other from every School. Like we got guys from the top level of like of uh, baseball. We're gonna have guys from Oklahoma and Texas and people who are playing in the College World Series. We got guys from people who were knocked out earlier, like Oklahoma State, or uh, I, or even like mid major schools like Campbell and Mercer. We have even got guys from JUCO level who are coming in, and partly these guys are getting a real audition, a real opportunity to go play at the next level at the highest at the higher spot in college baseball we had a guy last year from california baptist who came out a little bit late got off the red eye played in the game got two hits drove in a couple of runs then went back to school at cal baptist this year was amazing there and um, ran out of eligibility at cal baptist graduated got his degree from there but wants to play another year of college baseball and he got a transfer offer to go to oklahoma state and play wow. at that spectacular facility in Stillwater. so yeah this is um this is a league where stuff happens man this wow. is a league where stuff just goes
0: and works and it rules what so, one um, quick story that i heard on toronto's broadcast i believe it was earlier this week maybe it was last week give me i'm getting my uh my weeks missed up mixed up but um Alec Manoa, the ace of Toronto, played in the Cape Cod League. He actually played in the Cape Cod League for the Chatham Anglers. Yes. I believe while he was still in college. And his manager for that that team was Matt Holiday's father, Todd Holiday, which I had no idea. And it's just – whenever the Cape League – pops up now i uh, my ears perk up and i always think of you so there's for anybody playing and i'm sure you know the guys know this but anybody playing in that in the cape league you got major not just you know major leaguers superstar major leaguers that are playing in the game right now that pass through the cape league so yeah you, you got that in your belt it's and it's, it's not just him yeah. You know, you, you talk to me about Judge. There's other guys. There, there, yeah. there are some superstars that, that, go, that walk through the, those uh, – into those fields.
1: And there's guys on this current Whitecaps team who are draft eligible. Like, there's guys who currently are playing for this team who are going to get drafted. We had two guys on last year's team. And we'll do a full episode on this when we get to the actual draft. Or I'd like to anyway. Yes, which, be awesome. uh, I that would be give awesome. you like a, uh, yeah. But like we had two guys at the Whitecaps um, Gavin Cross out of Virginia Tech, who's going to be a top 10 pick somewhere in that window. And Zach Netto, who will be, who's a short You told me about this, man.
0: He, he's Netto, a beast.
1: Netto hit 402 college seasons in a row at Campbell. He came out. And by the way, he also pitched for Campbell as well. He had four appearances on the mound. He got three saves, um, including one against NC State. So That's you know, shabby. It's it, he's unbelievable. So go he Campbell. Came, he's unreal. So um, he is going to be picked anywhere from like I've seen projections of him going as high as fourteen to as low as like twenty five, somewhere in that round. We had two guys off of last year's championship team who will be drafted in the first round of the draft. That's possible that Brooks Lee is the most likely guy of anyone who played on the Cape to be picked number one overall. If he does get picked there, it would be the fifth consecutive year that the number one pick in the Major League Baseball draft has played in the Cape Cod Baseball League.
0: I didn't know that. That is insane.
1: Yeah, all the last four of them played at least a little bit of time in the Cape League. The guy with the most experience is Spencer Torkelson, who, oh my God, Torque was different. And you could tell immediately. I mean, like, hello. It, <laughs> I got to see him. I got, like, I was doing some camera work in 18 when he was with Chatham for Brewster. I was working, uh, of course, i am always working with Brewster. And um, he, we played them <clears throat> in the 18 Eastern Division final. Winner goes on to the league final. Uh, first game at Chatham Torque hits three bombs on us and he kills us. Second game. Um, it's a home game and I'm doing camera work for our home broadcast. And, uh, I'm set up right next to the visiting dugout and Torque comes out and he's talking to his coach about, um, do I have my hands like more, uh, set apart and like a wider or do I have it a little bit more closer in like he's taking, he's taking coaching after, he had that amazing of a game. After he did all that, he is still looking for good coaching direction, and he's still looking for the smallest of details stuff that you or I would never even think about. Like well, something why, as
0: that's why he's the number one overall pick. That's why he's a major leaguer is because it's not yeah. like you know these guys get to a level and they just go, ah, I'm good. I'm, you know, I, I'm that good. Every yeah. guy. Eh, one through 26 now is, is they're, they're looking for coaching, but they are, especially, you know, a guy like Clay Holmes, who comes you, yeah. who is all right with Pittsburgh, comes to the Yankees and asks for all the information with the advanced analytics and says, how can I get better? All these mm-hmm. guys are looking to get better. They're, they're not pushing away coaching. And that's why, you know, that's why special Torkison was the number one overall pick. And he's going to be a stud in Detroit for, the next 10 years. That's so that doesn't surprise me at all.
1: That's amazing how just how good these people are and how like the level of talent that they bring in every year to this league is just it's otherworldly. But yeah, right after I jump off of this, I'm recording that episode. We had uh two sets of double headers, which I was hoping I was actually hoping that I wouldn't have to record an episode tomorrow because uh (laughs) we just have we all the teams are supposed to play double headers on Sunday, and we we're supposed to just have it, cool, have a slightly longer podcast, and be done. No, some of the teams got rained out, which means my team doesn't have to play today, so we get our normal off day, and all these other suckers have to play on <laughs> Monday, but that also means that I have to actually record a Tuesday morning podcast, and I don't get an off day uh until like I think Thursday when I have to do another
0: uh, as as the great Carl Collange would say content never sleeps my man content never sleeps
1: yeah I'm fully aware of this
0: (laughs) oh well Chris this is so much fun thank you so much for coming on and doing this and uh I'll talk to you next week all right
1: I will oh it's the Cape League Roundup on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Anchor and all those different sorts of places but thank you so much my friend
0: there you go. On this side of the coin, not the fake J. Leo on Twitter, j.sports.blogspot.com. And of course, this podcast. If you've reached this point, please like, subscribe, share this podcast to anybody who you see fit. If you're new to the show, download the show. be you more of the show, then you're known. If you're on iTunes, please give us a review. Huge thanks to all the sponsors for sponsoring today's podcast. And also go check out Chris's podcast, the Cape Lee Ground Up. Again, Spotify, iTunes, all of it. It's really good. Check it out. I'm not just promoting that because he's my friend. Check it out. The Cape League is awesome. Uh, And yeah, until then, or until next time, sheesh, busy day already today. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.